Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever show. On today's episode, I am joined by Liz Faircloth. Liz, how you doing? I'm great, Ken. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Excited to be here. Hey, thrilled to have you for the third time this morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've had some technical difficulties, but we are there. We're going to get through this one, right? That's right. We're not going to give up. <laughs> it's the, you know what? We're jinxed by this horrible December weather, I think is what it is. Yes. It's nasty uh, here. I don't know about it there. It is, it is awful here, Ken. It's uh, dreary, cold, rainy, you know, yeah. just you do not want to leave the house. <laughs> I hear you. So tell everybody where you're located. Sure, sure. We are, um, we, have a, we have an office in Trenton, New Jersey, but we live in Pennsylvania. We made the, the switch of Jersey to PA just for a lot of reasons, but, uh, you know, a little more, a little more rural. Uh, we live right on the Delaware River. It's really oh, wow. pretty. Uh, and the taxes, you get, a little more, you get a little more for your money in Pennsylvania comparatively to Jersey. So, oh, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Both with investments and our, our personal residents. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's something about the, well, New York and New Jersey, right? They're both expensive places to live, period. So, yeah. And just, you know, and even when we got started in investing, things were, taxes were just less. And in, the, in, in 14 years, we've been doing this. I mean, it's not been a short time. You just see it every year go up and up and up. And uh, people are leaving New Jersey more than they're going. So, yeah. interesting, you know? Well, the same thing's happening in California. You raise taxes on people, it gets too yeah. expensive. No matter how nice the weather is, at some point, people are going to be like, it's too much. Uh, I yeah, go. it's too much. Yeah. So, so totally but yeah, it. we love where we live. You know, we, we bought a foreclosure, which was like my husband and I's dream to buy our, uh, buy a foreclosure. Not re we didn't, we're like, we don't want to buy retail. You know, I was like, oh, yeah. you, can't. The, the, you can't do that if you're in this business. That'll be like the death of us. And uh, we found a great opportunity in, in a, in a community that never has any house for sale. So we were wow. really lucky and we were able to, you know, bring our own people in and do it very affordably. So oh, yeah. it's very, we feel, feel very grateful. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, do you still do most of your investing in New Jersey or are you, have you kind of transitioned over to Pennsylvania? Other markets. Yeah. So we, um, we still have a holdings in, in Jersey, mostly, mm -hmm. mostly Trenton, mm -hmm. uh, Ewing, um, mostly Mercer County, Central Jersey. And then we about, about eight years ago started investing elsewhere. So Pennsylvania, and then about four years ago expanded into the Southeast. So we have a, an apartment building in North Carolina, oh, wow. and then we have uh, two buildings in Kentucky. So oh, we, we become much more, you know, a little more, you, you get a little more for your money and, and in terms of the market, in terms of just resources in the Southeast. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're very strategic now where we are in, in New Jersey. We still have, we just refinanced one of our buildings, one of our, oper you know, one of our first purchases, but it's strategic and we're actually selling some of our smaller stuff so we can get into larger stuff in New Jersey. We just sold a portfolio this year. So. Oh, wow. So what does your primary business look like? How's it morphed over the last 15 years and what does it look like today? <laughs> it's been a lot of morphing, Ken, I hear you. <laughs> to say the least. But, you know, I think we got our start in multifamily and then got involved with a lot of different things and and we're really focused on multifamily and that's always been kind of our, our bread and butter uh so to speak if that makes sense yeah. so we bought a, we've really built up a rental portfolio over the years and you know i don't want to say we've gotten we were distracted earlier on but you know you, you get involved with different things when you start out and you have to kind of figure out 
what you're good at and all those sort of things that comes along with building a business. So yeah, so our, our, our business now is mostly um, focused on buying, um, you know, uh, you know, apartment buildings, uh, multifamilies. We're also, we have an offer on a 30 unit. So we buy, you know, anything from 10 and up, but uh, a couple of our purchases have been larger apartment buildings as well. So yeah, that's what we're focused on and not, not getting off focus. So Gotcha. Yeah. Focus, man, is key in this business because especially if you're an entrepreneur, it's just like squirrel, squirrel, every, the shiny, the new shiny new object you want to go chase because yeah. maybe there's some opportunity to make money. Uh, we had, we had to learn that, we had to learn that the hard way, but yeah, we, we've gotten more and more and more focused over the years. Yeah. So did you guys have a good bit of single family as well that you've accumulated over the years? You know, we did. We actually bought a, a number of single families uh, when, when the last crash happened, we were mm-hmm. going to, we were actually going to flip them and, you know, flipping in a market that there's not a whole lot of home ownership isn't actually <laughs> the it's best tough. strategy. Right. Didn't, didn't realize that when we, when we did it, but we ended up holding on to those and we just sold our last single family home this year. So we actually don't hold, hold any more singles uh, right now, but wow. um, you know, had they been, you know, maybe in a different market, different, you know, set up differently, maybe we would have, but it just made sense to sell certain things in, in our, in our market here. And, and they're good investment properties, you know, for the, for the investors that bought them and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just, you got to focus. And if you're trying yeah. to grow in another geographic area, you have to like, okay, what makes sense to hold yeah. and what do we want to buy further? But yeah, we have a, you know, we have a nice portfolio still here in New Jersey. That's awesome. So I guess over the last 15 years, you've done a lot of different things. It sounds like, is there one deal in particular that stands out as like your best deal ever? Yeah. Th- so we had, um, should, I, should I share the story? Sure. Let's jump okay. in. Jump right in. Okay. <laughs> so we had up until probably 2010, 2011, used our own money, used, you know, our close family and friends. And that's, you know, we were kind of plateaued. We were managing our rentals. We were, you know, making the improvements we needed to, but we just weren't growing. Mm-hmm. So we knew we had to go elsewhere. We had to go outside of our, our kind of immediate circle beyond our parents, beyond, you know, lines of credit and any other way we can get going and, and, and buy more real estate. And at that point we had a track record, meaning that we had rentals, we had done it before. Mostly the Burr strategy is bigger pockets and, and Brandon has, uh, have coined, mm-hmm. but buying, renovating, you know, re- renting, refinancing and repeating is, is, is you know, what yep. the, the classic value add right? Yep. So, uh, so back when um, we were looking to grow, we, you know, we started to just increase our networking, increase a lot of different things. And um, at the time I was a consultant and my husband was working the business full time. So I also was in sales. So, you know, you know, Ken, whenever you meet people, it's like, okay, hey, um, if you're going to be in an area and you know people that, that, that are there, friends of yours or old acquaintances, great opportunity to meet up with people. So I had a client meeting in New York City. And um, even though I'm in New Jersey, it's actually not that close. So I'm like, oh, okay, really? I got to maximize my time if I'm going to be in the city. Yeah. So I went out there and connected with an old friend uh, who I went to grad school with. Went to, uh, he actually went to Wharton and I went to uh, the School of Social Work. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, we reconnected and we were friends and, and I was really connecting with him just as an old friend. And um, you never know where those things go. So we were having coffee and he was, uh, he's a funny, you know, at the time financial planner and we were talking and, and I said, he said, what are you up to? And I said, I'm, I'm working full time. My husband's, you know, growing our business, our rental portfolio. Um, and eventually I want to join him and all that good stuff. And he said, I love real estate. And he said something that's the classic, the classic thing that 
the investors and the folks listening want to hear when they're at cocktail parties or at networking events. I want to invest in real estate. I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. So that's the classic thing you mm-hmm. want to listen for, you know? And so I said, well, we have a lot of time. <laughs> we're really, from a financial perspective, are, are, are tapped in terms of our own resources and we're looking to, to buy more. It's a great market and we know what to do. We know we have the team. It's just finding the resources to buy more. So he said, that's interesting. So, so he came into Trenton, you know, met with my husband and myself uh, and ended up being one of our first private equity partners. Mm-hmm. So there was two single family homes that came up, you know, from a wholesaler and each cost about 25 grand. So, so there's two of them, right. You know, and they're row homes, right. So you got to remember like urban communities in New Jersey, there's a tons of row homes are all attached. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, two bedroom, one bath. And uh, he said, okay, I'll put in 50 into the partnership. So we, you know, we formed an LLC together and uh, we didn't put any money in, but we were going to be the, the boots on the ground, meeting our contractors, you know, knowing what to do because we had done this before. This wasn't our first rodeo yeah. at the time. So uh, he came in uh, and, you know, just more conversations felt very comfortable. And he was also going to per- personally guarantee the loan. My husband quitting his job, me working as like a pretty much a consultant, that was helpful, right? That's, that's, the, that's really, it's so helpful to have those W-2 partners or team members. Sure, if, if you don't, if you have not built up enough, you know, um, of a net worth, that's really critical. And at that point, you know, our balance sheet wasn't like, oh, we want to, want to lend to the fair clause. You know, it, we were still building at that point right. and we are still building, but you know what I mean? Um, that becomes really helpful to have that personal guarantor. Sure. So, well, and so he also did he was, get a loan then, or was he able to buy the two houses cash with the 50,000? So we ended up buying, um, the two houses with cash with, you know, the cash, cash that, he put in. Then what was interesting about this deal is that we, we both had private equity, which was, you know, in essence, he's an owner with us. He's a partner with us. Right. We also did our first, one of our first, um, private, had our, one of our first private lenders. We had lenders up at that point, but there were family, another kind of friend of the family, but not a, not a family member, but this is someone who knew what we're up to lent, lent us 50,000. Okay. So uh, the first 50 was going to take care of the purchase price. The, the second 50 was going to take care of the renovations because each property needed about 25 grand. Gotcha. So he, um, at the time, you know, 2011, we gave him, I think, 12% interest, which, you know, right now is like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> that's, right, right. that's high, right? Yeah. <laughs> but at the time that made sense. And he lent us that money. And, and within six months, we, we paid him back after we renovated uh, the properties. So you know, so that, you know, the renovations were, were cosmetic. They weren't like complete, complete gut, but each of them need about 25 grand. Yeah. We, we usually say that's usually more cosmetic in, in the properties we've done is, is 25 grand. Other people are like, well, that's like a full gut. Re- I mean, it all depends on your but, market, yeah, but totally. It I used mean, we to just go a lot farther, didn't it? I feel like 25 grand 10 years ago, yeah. I could get a lot done with 25. Not anymore, man. It barely, yeah. it's barely lipstick anymore. It feels like you're right. You're right. You, you know, needed those key things and the different reno- the different things that make it, uh, you know, rental grade and make sure it's going to, you know, rent well. And, and so we, um, we had a really like, you know, we've had some renovation horror stories, but this one actually was a pretty seamless and, you know, we had the right subs come in and do what they needed to do, ended up refinancing it. And, um, you know, which was great. Uh, both of them appraised, you know, I guess about, about six months later, um, you know, each appraised for 75,000. So they appraised, uh, obviously more than, than, than what we had in them, which was yep. great. Yep. And, um, we were able to pull out my, our partner's 50 grand yep. and, and pay our private lender, you know, their interest, obviously their money plus their interest. So 
our two private money partners, if you will, were very, were ha- very happy. Sure. And um, we just kept doing that with, with um, both of them. They're both, you know, seven years later, eight years later, they're still both partners of ours, different, different projects. So when you refinance, you got bank financing now. Yes. Did, did your, uh, did he stay in the deal then your equity partner stay in yes. the deal? So he's in these long-term with you guys. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. And, and he, he signed active- on the loan. He signed on a loan and he had an active part. You know, we talk a lot about people talk about syndication and SEC filing. We're not going to obviously have time to go down that, that rabbit hole today. But the key there is that he was active. Yeah. And that is a very important part when you start thinking about, you know, am I bringing active partners or passive partners? Right. And he was active. We had a weekly call with him. Uh, we talked about the numbers. We talked about what was going on in the property. Uh, he'd give his input. Uh, obviously, we had more experience in real estate than he did. But he was a financial planner. And this, this is not like, you know, he's a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, and he guaranteed the loan. So he wanted to know what was going on. Uh, we wouldn't call him a passive partner. He has been more passive in other of our projects. But that particular project, he was active. So, you know, I always like to say to people, it depends on who you're bringing in for what purpose, who's more active, who's more passive. Right. But um, as a, as a great example of you don't need to go buy an apartment building to get yeah. going with private money. Totally. You know, quite honestly, it makes more sense and smarter to start with a single family home, yeah. something that's real, tangible. Um, people don't want to lend a lot of money or give a lot of money initially. They don't that's know right. if you're going to really give it back to them. Yeah. You know, they, they, everyone's that way. We have new investors that work with us and we have experience that still start small. And, and I would do the same. You know, you want to make totally. sure these people are going to, you know, do what they say they're going to do. Yeah, let them dip their toes in the water first. Yep. Get paid back on a couple of deals, and then you can you know go to the bigger the bigger deal for them. Yep, absolutely. So, what is your what does the partnership structure look like now with him on on like those two houses? Well, it's funny. So seven. So by, I think it was last year we actually ended up selling the properties. Oh, we wow. held them for about seven years. Okay. And um, it just made sense, you know, especially in our area, and I'm sure a lot of areas, you know, multifamily, small multis are very hot. People want to buy more and more of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, quite honestly, large multis, it really doesn't matter. It's still, the market's still heated. Mm-hmm. So we just kept having, you know, investors come to us without even marketing these properties. Like, Hey, do you want to sell anything that you have? And it just made sense at the time uh, for both our, you know, we went to our partner and say, Hey, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were open to it. So we ended up selling them and we made, we made 70, what was it? I think 60,000. So we both, you know, walked away because we had a 50-50 partnership with 30,000. We didn't do a 1031. We just both took the cash. And, you know, obviously, you know. Sometimes it's more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. So, uh, and I think the property, the the rentals at the time, um, it was about $950. Per uh, each or total? No, per. Per two bed. Yeah, each two bedroom. It's actually, our two bedrooms can rent higher now. But yeah, at the time it was 950. And um, so we... You know, we consistently cash flowed that property. So we were making cash flow. We pulled his money out. And then when we were, you know, when the asset was time to sell, we made money. Um, It it checked all those boxes, which was, you know, which was awesome. So what it, so was it, I'm kind of confused. Is it, was it two separate properties or were they two separate addresses? They were just attached. Yeah. They were two, two separate tax, you know, parcels, if you will. Gotcha. Um, Yep. And then what did you end up selling them for? Just curious. Oh, we had, we were in, we were in them for 50 each, right? Yeah. I want to say, I want to say we sold them, you know, your, your classic duplex is you can sell between 150 to 175,000. 
Okay. Probably in that range in, in, in Trenton. If it's, if it's rented, it's already been renovated, you know, those sort of things. Yeah. So I bet you we sold it. Yeah. I bet you we sold it for about 150. 150. E- each or so. Each yeah. I bet you, no. 100. I bet you we sold between 125 and 150. Now you have me curious. I should have had that number ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that number. Um, well, you made a total of 60, right? Yes. So and, yeah, it'd have, it'd have to be um, so 30 each. So maybe 80 each. So 160. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. 160. 160 is probably the number. And yeah. then you, and then, so the, the partnership then split up the, the 60 that you guys made. That's right. You exactly. 30, 30 away. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. So now that's in addition to already having paid the 50,000 to our partner uh, when we, we initially refinanced that, that was just pure profit. That's right. You know, he was, well, he was able to, to, to get back out because it yes. pays for 75, right? So yep. really had, he didn't have any money in it. You didn't have any money in nope. it. And then nope. so many years, seven years down the road after collecting a lot of cash flow. Yeah. To be in that thing for 50, making 950 a month. That's really, really solid. That's some serious cash flow. Yeah. And it, you know, these older homes. So, you know, you, you, you also, because they're, you're renovating an older home, you know, we, we put a bunch in, but it's still, you know, it wasn't like this gut renovation that will never need any issues. So over, over the years, different maintenance issues, different sure. things, you, you know, obviously you, you put that money aside, but, but yeah, all in all, you know, that's the benefit, you know, sometimes of those lower priced homes uh, yeah. in, you know, in different, in different areas. Now we, we invest in certain areas of, of Trenton, and just like every urban community, other areas, other parts of the city, we, we don't touch, you know, we will never, yeah. we will never buy. Yeah. Um, and that, that's been very consistent, you know, over the years. So this was in a, a stronger, stable area of, you know, a still growing urban community. That's right. Yeah, you, you bought right. It is, it is easy to get kind of uh, enticed or romanticized by what looks like really good cash flow. But the reality is you're in a really bad neighborhood. And it's, you're going to have so many more problems with, you know, vandalism and theft and bad tenants and all that, that it's not worth it. It never pencils out the way it looks. And, and, you know, areas do change, right? So certain areas that when we bought uh, in Trenton were revitalizing and then the, you know, then, then one block, you know, makes it as though this is not, this is not going to, you know, pan out the way we want it to. It doesn't look like it's developing as maybe fast or that, big thing that was supposed to happen isn't happening. So, you know, we have our office there, uh, even though we invest, we don't invest everything locally anymore. We have a portfolio there and we kind of keep our hand on the, you know, it's still our, our initial investments. We, we want them to do well. Yeah. Um, and you got to keep an eye on things, especially if you're in a, in a neighborhood that's redeveloping, you cannot take your, it's not like this like stable market that you could just take your eyes off of. And we have a third party manager as well. We managed everything for many years. We managed that first, this property I was just telling you about, and we managed everything up until about two years ago. Okay. Um, so. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's one of those things when you have a portfolio like that, man, you got to keep your ear to the ground and see what's happening. Cause there, at some point in time, there may be a good opportunity to exit. Like, let's get out yes. of here. It's not going anywhere, but the values are good. And let's redeploy that money somewhere else, which is yeah, we like just, exactly what you did. Yeah. And we just sold another portfolio, about eight, eight to 10 units, uh, you know, stable, stable portfolio. And, uh, you know, just people, some of, some of the investors we work with obviously are, are passive, but some of them are, want to be more active. They're like, hey, yeah. do, you, do you have anything here? Yeah. Um, so we're not doing this big marketing ploy, but just people we talk to and connect with. We're like, yeah, for, for you know, what's a fair price? And so we can kind of redeploy that energy and that focus into other things too. Totally. So. 
So this was a really clean deal. And it's good because you didn't use your own capital. You yeah. used a private money lender, used a partner too, which is really cool. You cash load for seven years and then you sold it and you made money. I know this was one of the first ones. So what, somebody's listening to this and, th and thinking to themselves, man, I want to get in and do something just like this. What, what advice would you give somebody that wants to get into a similar deal like that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one really important thing that a lot of people don't talk about, I mean, we can, we had a very steady growth, right? So we didn't just like go buy apartment buildings. We did, we did not start that way. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, you know, talk about that now, you know, you listen to all these podcasts and I'm like, Whoa, I don't know if I would give that advice to people. I, I would, I would actually give the advice of start, you know, building a track record, um, start with something. So if you've never done anything, you've never invested in real estate, Go mentor under someone or help somebody who is buying in your neighborhood or the neighborhood you want to invest in. They need something. They need some sort of help. I can tell you that. We need help, right? Yeah. Right, Ken? It's not, totally. you never, you never not need any help right. growing your business. So start to get experience. Or if you already have some experience, you've done one or two rentals and you now, okay, my, my cash is tapped. Mm -hmm. Now start, you know, really developing almost like a, um, I like to say, create a, a track record. I mean, what we used to do for a lot of the stuff we had bought is we on, on paper, this is what we bought. This is what we did to it. So people knew what kind of what we did with our projects. So then you're talking to someone, not initially, but once you start to connect with people, um, you can start to say, Hey, we, you know, we have done other projects. Here are the few projects we've done. We're looking to expand. Yeah. And um, I also recommend to people Talk to everyone you know, not just, I wouldn't even go only to real estate investing groups. Yeah. Um, they're good, but I would start going to business networking groups, uh, fundraisers. Mm. Uh, those are great places to meet people who are, are busy professionals, the accountants, the attorneys, um, you know, the engineers. They want to invest. They just don't have the time. They know yep. real estate's a good investment. Yep. Um, so those are the kinds of things. Start putting yourself in situations where you're going to connect with people. And I also would, wouldn't say, oh, I'm just starting out real estate investing. If you have a rental portfolio, I don't care if it's one or five or a hundred, don't ever dismiss what you have done. Because right. people are like, oh, I can't really raise money until I'm a, well, no. I mean, we, we had a small portfolio. We had about 40 units at the time, but we were doing well with some and other ones we were, you know, really, you know, trying to stabilize and we had some, we had experience, but we didn't, we, we were, you know, we were truthful of who we were, but we also have to be, we're looking to go here. This is what we've done. And we're looking for partners. Yep. Um, we didn't, it's not, you know, when people talk about private money, Ken, it's not, you hear people say, I'm, I'm asking for money. You're not asking for money. You're, you're giving it an opportunity. Absolutely. We gave yeah. these folks an opportunity to, to make money, right. uh, protect their money, but also make money. And, 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 you know, so I think people's thinking about it too, as investors, we have to, we have to not undersell ourselves. Right. I also don't believe in overselling yourself and, and telling people you do something that you don't do. I'm not a big fan of that, but I also think you have to kind of share what you do, um, have confidence yeah. and look for partners. And I wouldn't dismiss what you have, what you can bring to the table because people either have time or money to give. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and the people you're looking for have money. You have the time. So you're That's just right. trying to marry those two. That's right. That's really good advice. And it's, it's really good uh, pivot in terms of your thinking of, you know, you're timid. Can, would you mind investing in my project? No, it's right. the other way around. It's I've got this amazing opportunity. Are you yeah. in or are you out? Because the next guy's in if you're not. Yeah. It's, it's a total mind shift for a lot of newbies.
Absolutely. And it, and it doesn't have to be, oh, I have to go file with the SEC for my first project. Right. Absolutely not. That's right. crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. You want to do something like what we did. And the key was that you have an active partner. That's right. Um, that, that has something to bring to the table. And yep. what do you bring to the table kind of thing? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And an LLC, an operating agreement make, makes it nice and simple too. It makes it clean, mm -hmm. easy. Yeah, you're not messed with any of that. Uh, Liz, this was awesome. This is a talk about a, a great reachable for so many people that are out there kind of first deal. You're only talking about 50 grand, you know, to total for two units. It was not a crazy rehab. You brought in partners, you kept it in cash flow and you sold and made money. I mean, those are, those are the quintessential base hits, man, that people want to have in this. Right. I love it. That's fantastic. Yep, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so <laughs> That's much. A good way of saying it is, is a base hit. It's not a home run, That's right. but they're base hits that lead up to bigger wins. So that's a great way to say it. Absolutely. Liz, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're going to talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so I am with Liz Faircloth, and she's about to give us her worst deal ever. Let's hear it, Liz. Thanks, Ken. Uh, it's always fun talking about <laughs> the things you don't do well, you know, know. or the we mistakes that them. you made. That's right. You do. And to say that no one makes any mistakes in this business is, is just not right. It's crazy. Or, or not accurate. Yeah. Um, so one of the first flips that we did was in our neighborhood. Uh, at the time, we were living in uh, uh, Bordentown, New Jersey, mm -hmm. and uh, – a good strategy is to look for properties around where you live. So that was one good part of the story. Yeah. Um, ended up buying a property that was dilapidated uh, for about 80 grand. Okay. And uh, I mean, it needed, it. we thought at the time, we had people walk through and, and it needed everything. So, okay. And then the after repair value, I would say at the time, because this is 2006, okay. uh, was probably between three and 350. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. So, you know, those are really good numbers, right? Sure. I mean, those, yeah. those are awesome numbers just from a first, um, you know, perspective. So we had at that point, not a lot of construction knowledge. Uh, we had found a couple of local people to help us. Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Put a plan together to renovate the house. Mm -hmm. So, uh, about a few weeks later, we put a new roof on the house, um, and, you know, started doing renovations. Then we have a structural person, you know, more, you know, one of those more experts, mm -hmm. I, I think, I think it was a structural engineer, actually. Um, our architect said, you really need to meet with someone like that. And we said, okay, just to be precautionary and look at a few things that he wasn't sure of kind of thing. 
Right. But still the renovation plan was, was, was it. Uh, structural engineer comes through and says that the house has to be torn down. No. no way. No way that the house can be renovated as is. And we said, well, that's not what this person told us and this, you know, assessment and this, 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 this. Um, and it just, you know, the more experts we got in there like that, um, just confirmed, you know, really confirmed that story versus what we were being told by the, the other kind of team members that we were meeting and, and, and trusting. So within two weeks of putting a new roof on this house, oh, the house gosh. gets torn down. Oh, so gosh. now we're on to new construction. So oh, talk gosh. about overruns, right? I mean, we had a budget of renovation. I mean, even it was a, it was a three bedroom, two bath kind of uh, 3,000 square foot home. I would say we, our initial budget was probably, you know, 75,000 to renovate. Well, right. construction is a different ball game. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the delays and, you know, having to tear this house down, we just put a brand new roof on just sucks, oh, you know, painful, painful, <laughs> but you know, hindsight, I, I want to say we ended up fine. We, we rebuilt the home, took a lot longer than we had thought. Uh, we had borrowed the money. So when you borrow money and that, clock is ticking oh, that's yeah. killer right oh yeah one thing for it to be your own money it's another thing when you're borrowing money from someone yep. uh so it was just it was a killer all around we ended up selling it i want to say we did sell it like around the three hundred thousand mark but the the amount that it cost us to, to to rebuild the home and to do things that got torn down i think we lost about thirty thousand on that project. I mean, it could have um, been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. You're right. I thought it was going to be a bigger number. That's a lot. Yeah. I actually, we have lost more than, than that <laughs> uh, and on other things, but you know, it all goes back to when I reverse engineer those kinds of mistakes where you're losing money and we have, we've lost money on other projects. You have to really look at, okay, why did this happen? And what about it could we learn and not just the specific project though, Ken, but it's also like the strategy. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes flipping, you know, I don't have to tell you, you're, you're a master at this, but it takes a certain type of team. It takes a certain type of strategy. Yeah. And th those things don't always mesh well with certain types of personalities. Yeah. And our bread and butter was rentals. That's yeah. what we knew. Right. And, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to flip so I can do this. And now I'm like, flipping is a business. You do yeah. know that, right? Totally. This is not like a just go, you know, read Jay Scott's book and, and go figure it out. I mean, you know, these are yourself, Jay Scott. I mean, you guys are experts, right? In, in this, in this strategy, it's not as easy as it looks, you know? No, and not. so I guess my bottom line is that, you know, the losses we've had have usually been on some of the flips we've done. Yeah. And in hindsight, I think flipping, whether it's team members or just our strategy or just focus, you know, we've had to look at all that and look in the mirror. Uh, this year, we didn't buy one property to flip. Wow. It's just not in our strategy, you know, yeah. sphere right now. Um, there's plenty to be great projects, but we just, it's just not what we're focused on. Yeah. So I think that's a Smart. big thing in this business is to focus. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're exactly right. People want to call it real estate investing, but it's not, it's real estate business when you're flipping because <laughs> you're in the business, you're, you're generating yeah. cash, but it's not the same as buying an asset that's cash flowing. Yep. And that's really, it seems like that's kind of where you've turned most of your direction is towards cash flowing assets, which in the long, long term, I mean, you're going to be sitting a lot prettier than a lot of flippers and wholesalers out there because you've created a ton of wealth in the process. Right. Yep. But so yeah, there's a common theme with, with these worst deal ever is that people lose focus. They, they've got one thing they do real and they're like, oh, what's this? Let me try this one over here. And they step out and try it and then fail miserably. And they're like, nope, nope, nope. Let us stay in my lane because this is what I know. 
Yeah. And as, and as entrepreneurs, you don't want to give up. You're right. like, well, hold on. Maybe we just need to tweak this one thing, yeah. whether it's a partner and, you know, all those sort of things. And, um, you know, you learn a lot about managing time and resources and money and, yep. you know, you lose money, you become, and it's your own money. You become very, we're not, how do we not do that again? You yeah. know, that totally. sucks, yep. you know, so yep. education for sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing it with us. I know it's painful. Obviously, you're, you're bringing your structural engineers on the front end of projects now, I'm sure, after that, right? Yeah, not putting roofs on. We haven't done that ever again, putting yeah. a roof on a house we had to tear down. So that's, that's, that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. Yeah, you learn. No more roofs on teardowns. That's awesome. Liz, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.